coming up on the Write Something Worthy podcast. I just heard from one of our clients that her book is just coming out. She, she's going to take the speaker sheet, she's going to slot it into the book, and she's going to send it to everybody that she wants to book her. That is a great way to get more attention and to give them exactly what they need to reach out to you. Welcome to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. Each month, we bring you an informative interview that helps you to live your best life as an authorpreneur. And now, your host, Tanya Brockett. Today, I'm so pleased to introduce you to Jackie Lappin. Jackie is an expert at helping leaders get booked faster, easier, and in more places. She provides strategies, guidance, tools, and leads through her speakertunity programs, tip sheets, regional and niche specialty speaker lead directories, conference finder service, and speaker one-sheet graphic design service. Speakertunity is the ultimate speaker's toolbox. One-stop shopping for the speaker. And you've heard me mention them before. But given that most entrepreneurs need exposure and opportunities to sell their books, Jackie's resources are perfect for bestseller-worthy authors in our tribe. So enjoy and learn from my conversation today with Jackie Lappin. Welcome, Jackie, to the Write Something Worthy podcast. I'm so delighted to be here, Tonya. It's beautiful to have an opportunity to reconnect with you and your community. Absolutely. You know, I have been following you for quite some time, and I have seen you do a lot of terrific things for the speaker community, for writers, for authors, for anyone who wants to get themselves out there. Can you give us a little bit of background about you and what it is that you do for us? Well, I started as one of the first women sports writers in America, so writing has been critical to my life. And at 20, I was at the Detroit Free Press, 20, at 21, I was Associated, Associated Press on the front pages of the LA Times, and 22 at the Washington Post. I went on to have one of the largest sports special events and cable TV PR agencies in America. And then I wrote two books myself, um, The Art of Conscious Creation, How You Can Transform the World, and Practical Conscious Creation, Daily Techniques to Manifest Your Desires. Now, that book was the best spiritual book of the year at the International New Age Trade Show. And by the time I'd written the two of those books, I realized that my heart lay with the people that were making the world a better place. And I rebranded my company, Conscious Media Relations, and began just doing radio podcast tours, introducing authors and leaders to 9,000 radio shows and podcasts with a minimum guarantee of 30 interviews. And we continue to do those. We do about 30 to 40 a year. But about eight years ago, some of them came to me and they said, can you book me for speaking gigs? And I said, I don't want to do that, but I know where they are. Why don't I just tell you? And that's how Speakertunity was born, the Speaker and Leader Resource Company, the Ultimate Speaker Toolbox. What we decided to do was just curate, um, research and curate individual speaking contacts for leaders so they didn't have to do that research. And so that they saved enormous amounts of time looking for opportunities. And so we expanded from there. We started with one product, and I think we're at about 18 or 20 at this point, where we basically make it so simple for people because we not only give them the speaker leads themselves, but we also can give them training on how to get booked. We help them with all the tools they need to get booked, like speaker one sheets. And then we also now have a strategic partner, book for you virtual assistants, that will do the booking for you. So it's basically one-stop shopping for the speaker and leader so that anybody who needs to get in front of an audience to grow a business is really way ahead of the game when they can access our resources rather than doing it all on their own. Jackie, that is just absolutely tremendous. And I really like the idea of the addition. You're listening to the audience, right? And saying, here, we need this, we need that. And your addition of having the VA and the booking of the engagement, that is such an area where so many people need help. Well, and, and you're right. That's what we really did, uh, Tanya, was to find out, get the feedback from people who said, we love your resources, but I don't have the time to do it myself. And so we knew we had to find a solution, and I'm really excited about our strategic partner. We've worked together for several years in other capacities, and they just do a great job 
of taking the directories or the subscription services or even our new conference connection service, and you tell them what you want them to go after, and they will pursue them. Now, they won't actually do the booking when it comes to outreach to meetings or venues or associations or conferences. They will get you, um, they will identify where there is interest, and then they will hook up the client and the organizer so that they can have the conversation of, okay, so when is it? So which, event, which of my presentations am I doing? What is the audience like? How big is the audience? Um, you know, is there a fee involved? Um, you know, what date are we looking at? They're not capable of doing all of that. Their job as a virtual assistants, but trained in this area, is to go get the opportunity and then make the, the introduction. Well, that's a big step right there, because, you know, oftentimes it's that legwork, it's that research and getting to the point where you have somebody to talk to that is the most time consuming and difficult well, and for also, speakers. If you have to fill out a bunch of call for speakers farms. If you're looking for conferences, what a waste of your time to do that. So they'll fill in all those forms for you and then submit you to the conferences rather than you mm. having to do it all yourself. That's perfect. That is perfect. Now, I'm curious whether or not you also provide, as a part of that service, a checklist of those answers that the speakers need to have. You were you were talking about the, the different aspects of their presentation, the timing and this and that and the other. Are there tips for them for knowing what to have at the ready once they have that introduction? Well, uh, the... The virtual assistants will want a speaker one sheet ahead of time, and they'll want to know what your presentations are. Now, from that point forward, uh, we've generally, you know, they have generally left it up to the speaker to handle the rest of the dialogue, um, assuming that somebody's been in, you know, doing speaking already and has done some of that themselves. So they haven't actually got a checklist, uh, as from what I know. Okay. Well, one of the things that I know uh, very personally is that the speaker one sheets that you all create, that your company creates, is awesome. And it's got all of the information that most organizers and event managers would need to make a decision about you. It's got the speeches that you do. It has your contact information. It has your book titles and how to reach out for you. So You've already made it easy by having that tool. I've well, shared that with many of my authors over the years. Thank you. And thank you because you were one of the first people, persons who joined us to do that, and, and we're so grateful. One of the ways that we make it easy is that whenever we're building things, and now we we're, we're also do uh, book flyers, speaker handouts, roll-up banners, um, it, um, lead generation ma- magnets, e-books, um, and slides is that we realize it's much easier and faster to get the job done when you start from a template. So with any of our products, including the speaker sheet or the podcast introductory sheet, you select one of the templates, you choose the colors, and then you fill in a form. We'll tell you exactly what to give us so you don't even have to think, well, what should I present? We'll tell you. And then the good part about it is that we can turn it back to you in two to three days. We, you know, there's no, no dawdling around with, with us. We'll, we'll, we'll give you something, and then you can take it and you can edit it. You can say, oh, you know, I, I'm not crazy about that color, or can you move this here, or you can add, change this line here. That's the blessing of working with, starting with a te- template, but working with an actual designer, because we'll switch it up for you uh, to make sure that it works for you. That's right. And so it takes the the stress and the worry away from the speaker because they don't have to learn something new to figure out how to make it work, right? They can just say, can you please change this? That would work for me. Yeah. That's beautiful. And and the templates you all have are just eye-popping and eye-catching. So they really uh, fulfill the purpose. You know, they do get the attention of those event managers who might book those speakers for their engagements. Thank you. Thank you. That's a very useful tool. And I recommend it to any author who is promoting themselves and promoting their books, 
having that speaker one sheet, even if you don't intend to do a lot of, you know, public speaking per se, and you don't have a lot of uh, topics that you speak on, just being able to use that to discuss your book and the value your book brings to the marketplace, that itself is still a great tool. I just heard from one of our clients that her book is just coming out. She, she's going to take the speaker sheet. She's going to slot it into the book, and she's going to send it to everybody that she wants to book her. Absolutely. What a great idea. That is a great way to get more attention and to give them exactly what they need to reach out to you, right? I mean, it's one thing to get a book and say, wow, this author is really great. I wonder how I would be able to bring them in. Well, now you know, because the one sheet is tucked right in with the book. That's excellent. Now, Jackie, you've been working with authors for a long time, too. So tell me a little bit about that on being an author yourself and then how that gave you a greater appreciation for being able to work with other authors. Well, I think one of the things uh, was when I started to promote my own book, nobody had created a directory of both broadcast radio and internet radio at the time. Everybody was just doing broadcasts, and they'd get their content from the PR databases. But I realized that there was a lot of people out there that were not broadcasts, that were really interested in content. And of course, today, that is incredibly expanded to podcasts. So, um, So when we built our list, when we started it way back when, we started building in anybody that was interested in this kind of content. And so if an author is going to do and build their own uh, media list, it really needs to be the whole spectrum. I mean, you're going to look at broadcast radio, internet radio, and podcast, and satellite radio, if there's anything on Sirius that makes sense for you. So um, so we started putting that together, and then there were things that were, became commonplace. So the first thing that you need, and that we always use when we do our radio podcasters, is you need a really compelling pitch letter that is going to get their attention. It can be up to a page and a half and it needs to address three different things. The first part of it is, why you? What's the hook? What's the news? What, do you, what problem do you solve for this marketplace that, um, that, that the audience is clamoring to, to resolve? So, you know, you need to give the host a compelling idea of why. Then the next thing is, well, what, if, what are your credentials? What have you done to make you the expert in this? You know, you've written your book. That's the first thing. What other documentation do you have? You know, what the kinds of clients you've worked for, the celebrities that have endorsed you, the, the number of uh, uh, the organizations that you've serviced, whatever the, the documentation is. And then the last part of the pitch is really all about what are you going to present? You're going to describe what you're going to present, and then you should use four to three to five bullet points of the audience will learn, your listeners will hear, the, your podcast um, viewers will, you know, um, and by the way, remember that podcasts are now about 70% video. And so, you know, you want to package all that information up. And then today you also have a choice. You can either send it with or in lieu of it, you can use a podcast introductory sheet. This has changed very much in the last two years. And that's like a speaker sheet, only it's one page instead of two. And instead of putting all the presentations on the back, you just put on the three to five con- uh, topics that you speak on. And so, um, so either of those, either individually or together, you need to get, uh, you know, to send to get booked. And then once you get booked, the other thing you need is a great media kit. And that media kit should have the following things. Uh, the main release to talk about you and the book and what you're pitching. The second one would be uh, the, the full bio on you. The next would be a four to five paragraph on-air introduction that the host will read. Never leave it for them to figure out what to say about you. Um, the next will be 20 questions that you want to be asked. In the old days when it was brought live and broadcast radio, you only needed 10 questions. But today you need 20 because most interviews are up to an hour. And then lastly, um, we have what's called the Learn More page, and that is how the public can engage with you in bullet point. And so it would first be the book and where it's available, and then any free gifts that you're giving on the air, any upsells that you're going to talk about, your e-courses, your programs, your coaching, whatever it might be, and then your social media links and your website. Now, when you put that all together, you're going to forestall the host to say, well, can you send me this? Can you send me this? Can you send me this? By giving them all that in advance, 
you you're really prepped and ready to go, and it's going to make the easier the interview go much more smoothly, and especially the process getting there. But it enables the host to actually help market you because they have enough information to make sure that you're positioned right. That is so important. There are so many that I've come across over the years who have been reluctant to share information or who haven't been forthright in providing information. And you're only shooting yourself in the foot when you don't give everything that you possibly can to make it easier for that producer or that event manager or show host to bring you in, right? Exactly, exactly. And it only makes more work for you because they're going to ask you six, six times for it. Um, and, and, it right. and you want to make sure that you are a in-demand and sought-after guest because uh, podcasters uh, speak to each other. And if you aren't uh, being a good guest, meaning all forms of the participation, then they're not going to refer you. And you're, and they're not going to bring you back. A lot of times, a podcaster will bring you back if you've been a great guest the first time. So, absolutely, you want to pull your weight, give them everything they need, and and when you get on that show, you need to be able to give them great value. It's not all about how to sell your book. You want to make sure that those questions are structured so that you're giving something to the audience that they can benefit from, and. Then you can offer them and talk about your book and all the services and resources that you can provide in the long run. That is super important. I have had some prospects who have just pushed, pushed, pushed their books on me without telling me how they could add value to my audience. And, you know, I try to reiterate that, you know, we're here to serve the nonfiction author. So what do you have that can be of value to them besides the fact that you wrote a book? And sometimes they just don't have the solution. They don't have the answer. And, you know, that's why I'm particular about who shows up on my show. They have to be able to add value. And the questions you provide are roadmap. And that's also going to tell the host the direction of the interview, and it's going to clearly show that you're bringing some value to them. Exactly. That's a very good point. And that's what I was going to ask you next. Is how does an author, especially if they are not a speaker, let's say that there is an author who did write a really compelling, meaningful book that's going to have a positive impact on the world, but they are not a course creator. They are not a public speaker at this point. How did they best bring out their value when really all they have is their book? How can they bring something out of that? Make it interesting. Make it interesting. You know, mm. if, you're, if you're speaking in a monotone and you're wandering all over the place and you don't get to the point, well, you're not going to get people to buy your book. But if you have a clear... Uh, idea of what is interesting and unique and compelling about your book and your story, well, people are going to be interested and they're going to want more, and you just then you need to give them a pathway to do it. Don't make it hard for them to buy the book. That's another thing. Make sure it's up on Amazon. I'm not a big fan of, of doing interviews on a pre-order basis. You know, do your interview before the book is available. I think people want their book and they want it now, and it should be available to them when you're starting that interview. Um, and it should be easily accessible. Don't send them to your website to get your book because they probably won't. They're going to go straight to Amazon anyway. If It's great if you can try to do that, but the truth of the matter is um, – the, mo the more of a barrier you create for them, the less likely they are to actually go buy your book. So they naturally assume mm -hmm. it's going to be on Amazon. And so, you know, don't put any walls up that prevent them from doing that. That's, that's a good lesson. That's a good point as well. Because there are a lot of people who are resistant to being on Amazon. They don't want to only be on Amazon, quote unquote. And so they resist making it accessible and easy to acquire. Well, but you don't have to only be on Amazon. I mean, by all means, put it on multiple places where other people will see you. 
but it needs to be at least one of the avenues that people will find you. That's right. And if you think about it, Amazon is a good search engine. So if you're going to show up in searches, Amazon is one place where you can. Your subject matter for your book can show up in a search on Amazon, even if they aren't looking for your book. So if you're there, you can be found. Well, and, and not- you know, if the author is somebody that is interested in doing an audio book, I think that that is added value. If you can have your book on Kindle, and on um, Audible, at the same time, you're really just giving people all the different ways to get, to get access to it. And you can promote them all in your interviews. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I have uh, several episodes on different aspects of, of the book and why an audio book might be a good investment to make. Because that's another avenue for people to gain access. Plus, audiobooks are growing at a quite a strong rate right now, and they will be for the next several years. So it makes sense that if you're going to create something in print, that you would also have it in audio format. And also, if you just think about the whole, the fact that the podcast industry is growing, the whole audio programming industry is growing, people want to be able to gain access in different ways at different times. For me, I love a print book. I love being able to sit down or have one at my you know, bedside table. I like having a book. But at the same time, there are times when I don't have time to sit down, but I want to be able to hear something while I am doing something else. And so having that audio book so I can learn a little something or listen to a chapter on my way somewhere, it's advantageous for me so I can get the book in multiple formats. And now you, as the author, have somebody who has bought your paperback book and the audio book. Bonus! Well, and one of the interesting things is that you would think in a digital world that podcast hosts want, want a digital version. I got news for you, they don't. They, 90% of them still want a physical book. So if you're planning on a podcast tour of your own, anticipate having at least 40 books on hand to send to podcasters. Um, it is a critical uh, misoversight if you think that you can just send them a digital book. Now, you still need the digital book, a good PDF um, of the actual print version, because some of them will be out of the country, and some of them may say, oh, my God, I had an opening on Thursday. Can you please come? And you don't have time to mail them the book. So you need both in hands when you're starting your tour. So... That's, that's really important. The, uh, another point that I want to make, Tanya, is that if you are, are you know, not yet really ready for primetime speaking, but you're ready to start really doing a lot of podcasts, one of the things that if you structure your questions in such a way that they would really kind of almost follow the speech that you would do, by the time you've done 20 or 30 podcasts, you're going to be so much more confident, so much more in control of the content, that you will be feel much more comfortable about getting up on a stage just because you know, what you've, you know what you got. You know how to present it. And that's exactly what happened to me. After I did 100 interviews for my last book, the first time I stepped on stage after that, I was so much better. I mean, because it just flowed because I had done it so many times on podcasts. Absolutely. That is, that is so true. There was a time when I was still out in the uh, real world, not the virtual world, and I was doing a presentation. Same presentation I would do all over the state. It was relevant to my very first book, which was called The Loan Solution. I was helping people to uh, small businesses to leverage their resources with those of others. So all around the state, I'm doing a presentation on how to get a small business loan, specifically through the Small Business Administration. And that's US-based. And so every time I did the presentation, you know, you you get the nuances, you have, you tell the right story, given the right audience, and you get it just flows easier and easier, just like you said. So much so that I was able to just create actual flip charts. This is 
a defiance to the whole PowerPoint world. I was watching people at different presentations falling asleep on other people's PowerPoint presentations. So I decided because we were doing 50 or less people at each of these events, I decided I'm going to rustle some paper and keep people awake. So I used a flip chart instead of a PowerPoint presentation. And I had color and drawings and graphics. They were already done. And everybody loved them. They were like, wow, it was so refreshing. I stayed awake instead of falling asleep on that PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> so, great. But, you know, just doing that presentation over and over again, you knew exactly what to include and what not, right? You didn't put stuff on it that you had to read. You just had the supporting images or the supporting words, right? Same here. When you go to your do your podcast interviews, the more you do them, the better you'll get with that. And the more your key points will start jumping out in your conversations, then it makes it easier for you to get your message across and add value. Exactly. And add value. So that's really a key. Now tell me, is there a time I'm I'm gonna pull out a question for you. Hopefully this might be a challenge for you. Was there a time that you promoted something or marketed something, whether it was for yourself or for a client that just fell flat? And if so, what did you do about it? Well, you know, that happens all the time. I mean, you cannot have winners constantly. And um, and so you just basically, you, you figure out, is there a way to rescue what you have done or just move on to the next, but you don't dwell on what didn't happen. You just look for the next opportunity. So when you have an author, for example, who goes and puts themselves out there, does a podcast interview that just flops, <laughs> your advice then is say, don't dwell on it, learn from it, but then just move on to the next one and just get better and better at every time. Exactly. And you might even want to hand it off to somebody else and say, okay, what can I do better? If you have some expert in your life who might be able to give you some counseling, that's what mentors are for. Excellent. That is so true. Because oftentimes we don't know what we don't know, right? We have a blind spot and we don't know why we that just fell flat. But somebody else can just very clearly say, wow, to tell the truth. <laughs> and they well, can just some, point it out to us. Sometimes it's the author. And sometimes it may be the host, too. Sometimes the host isn't well-prepared or they're not a good interviewer. So, you know, it isn't always necessarily totally on the author. That is true. I have seen interviews with a host who was very monotone and very unenthusiastic, quite frankly. But I have seen the authors shine in that scenario, and I'm cheering them on because I'm like, wow, you really brought that out, even though, you know, the question presented to you was like, uh, you know, really boring and dull. And so I think it's wonderful when an author can shine despite a host that may not be as enthusiastic as they would like. Well, there's always a way to up-level the exchange based on what you can bring to the table. Don't let them, mm-hmm. you know, just because they're not doing a great job doesn't mean that you shouldn't do your best. You're right. If an author is a first-timer, is there different advice that is given to them versus somebody who does this all the time? I think most of the time you're just really more more looking at a confidence level when you're t- looking at a first-timer. Um, they're not quite sure, sure what to do and how to do it. Um, and whether they are presenting well. And so it's really a matter of practice. The more you do, follow, follow the host lead, and the more you do, the, more, the better you're going to get. Now, you often, you said earlier that you ended up um, moving into the conscious space and uh, working with more transformational speakers and authors. Tell me again, what made that shift for you? And how has that been different than just Johnny Joe? person out there? Well, in the very beginning, when I was doing PR, I mean, I was doing with, you know, big public companies and sports entities and all that. And for me, I'd always had people in my life that were like psychics and um, numerologists and people just who were using intuitive skills. 
and uh, my B channelers, they were kind of all around me just because it was an interest of mine. And when I wrote my own book, which were really in a spiritual space, and it was something I was called to do, it wasn't something I set out to in, by intention. As I was growing in my own consciousness, I realized that um, there was something that was sort of not being said in the industry, and I, I was called to, to write that, and it was just about the time The Secret was coming out. And this was actually before The Secret that I started the book. And so when I became kind of immersed in that environment, because I had built a database of shows that really catered to personal growth and spirituality, health and wellness, um, women's empowerment, all these other kinds of things, now that I had it for myself, I realized that there was a whole audience of leaders and experts out there who mainstream PR people didn't understand because there's a, speak, a particular kind of language in the transformational space. There are skills that are looked down upon or were. It's less so now that meditation and yoga have gone mainstream. But early in those days, you know, if you dealt with a regular publicist, they didn't get this stuff. And I did. And so um, that's where I really focused a lot of my attention there because I knew those people. I understood them. They were part of my tribe, as they say. And so uh, that grew. And then as we continued to serve the transformational space, we realized that, you know, there were a lot of other leaders who also were not just in the transformational space. They were in greater self-help, greater uh, nonfiction that really needed what we offered as well. And so we expanded, and now we say we serve anybody whose work improves one's life, one's business, or the planet. Um, but it, for us, it's, um, it's a real mission to help those who are improving the, the world in some way, shape, or form get the exposure that they need because most of the time they are not biz- all that business savvy. They haven't done a lot of the promotion on their own, and they need some guidance, and they need somebody who can take their hand and show them the way. And that's what we, we've spent all these years doing, is especially with authors, but <clears throat> now wide, more widely with speakers and leaders and experts and coaches because they... They were the ones that couldn't do it for themselves in the beginning. There's more now that are way more savvy at this point. But we were filling a big gap for those people who were still in, uh, in, in the chrysalis, if you would say, um, of being business people and, as well as just authors. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear the term uh heart-centered a lot when it comes to entrepreneurs who actually have a bigger purpose and want to make a positive impact on the world. And they can do that through their business. Agreed. And when when you say heart-centered, I think we're, we're also, it's not just serving to help the world in general. It is helping individuals to somehow advance in their lives, whether that's their financial lives, their business lives, their personal lives, their relationships. There's a whole spectrum out there that people find themselves in areas that they need some guidance and support. And if you're there to support them, whatever it may be, anything from trauma to, you know, finances, then you're in service to humanity. Absolutely. I, too, tend to focus my work with those who have a positive message to share with the world and who want to have a greater impact. And it is my belief that you can do that best when you write something worthy. If you're an author who just wants to throw schlock out there just to make a buck, then I'm not usually the one you want to work with to do that. I want to work with people who do have that positive message to share, who truly believe that if they just help one person that, you know, they have served their purpose, right? They're not caught up in the, oh, I have to sell a million copies of my book to have any value. If they are helping somebody, they have value. I I agree. And I also think that um, that includes memoirs with a message, as I call them. Um, right. You can be writing a memoir. It's not a self-help book, but as long as it has an empowering message and you're kind of dropping wisdom along the way, that you fall into that category of being in service. 
I, I, I would agree with that as well. And I also don't want to take away the fact that you want to be able to monetize your message. I'm not suggesting that just because you want to make a positive impact that you can't make money. Because we all know that that's one energy form that we need in this world in order to do certain things. So why not enjoy all of the abundance that comes from the power of your message? But at the same time, if if it's just nickel and diming that you want to do, then uh, that's not my kind of world. Um, so I appreciate that you were there to help that transformational author and speaker. Well, and, and I'm with you in that sense. You know, I, I we have some authors that come to us and they say, I just want to get my message out. I just want to change people's lives. And that's really great. But if somebody comes to me and say, you know, I, I, I need to make this exact ROI to cover the cost of the book, I'm saying, not here, guy. That's not going to work for us. Because I can never right. guarantee you how many books we're going to sell. But I can guarantee you that I can give you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years to change lives. That is absolutely right. Besides, and one of the things that I talk about with uh, potential ghostwriting prospects, because I'm a ghostwriter in addition to an editor, in addition to a book coach, I often talk about return on objective that is often much greater than that return on investment. You may not get a dollar for dollar return on a ghostwriting investment, but you are very likely to, but you're, you may not. But that's not the way you want to look at it. You want to look at what is the goal? What is the purpose for writing that book? What is the objective? What is it going to do for or give to your ideal reader? Why are you writing that book? Focus on that objective and how we can make sure that you hit that rather than the, oh, it, did I get the same nickel out that I put in? Because that's not where you want your focus to be. I'm so I appreciate that. that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. So how does a speaker who wants to get their message out there, let's say I'm a speaker, I have a book, I have a new book, and um, I've done speaking before, but I've not, I've not spoken on the topic of this new book. How would I come to you for assistance? Well, preferably you do know exactly what your, your the, the speaking topics are going to be, and you've given them snappy titles that are going to want people to have you on the air or on, on their uh, uh, stages. And then, then you're going to start by looking at, all right, do you want to speak just locally? Um, and, you know, do you cover a lot of different kinds of organizations in your marketplace? And we have regional speaker lead directories. Um, speaker Tunity Cities is that uh, sub-brand for us. And it, we give you between 1,500 and uh, 3,000 speaker leads just in your marketplace in four categories, business, uh, service groups, uh, personal, you know, the, the consumer groups that special interests it might be of interest in you, and then spiritual, unity, centers for spiritual living and faith-based. So that's one thing. Do you want to look at that, at doing, being on local stages, which, frankly, if you're a new speaker, local is where you're a great way to start. The next thing mm. is, do you want to speak instead, if you don't want all that variety, or do you want to just speak in your niche? And then so we have 60 niche directories. Do you want to talk to women's business owners? Do you want to talk to entrepreneurs or healthcare professionals or real estate people or, uh, or moms and parenting groups or... Um, spiritual centers or yoga centers or coaches or authors or whatever it might be. Then you get a regional, I mean, a, a, a specialty directory. You can get it either for your region or for all across North America. And then you can start setting up meetings since everything today is not, still 80% virtual. You know, some are back in the rooms, but a lot of it's virtual. You can set up virtual meetings for yourself at in your genre all across North America and then sit at your desk and be doing speaking opportunities in all of those places. The next thing you'd like to look at is, are you ready for conferences? Now, if you want to go get your conferences, then that would be Speakertunity Conference Connections. And at Speakertunity Conference Connections, that's where you can get access to 3,500 conferences every single month to pick from. And we're adding 1,000 new ones every, in it, every month. 
in your category. We have 20 different major categories, 44 subcategories, so you can find the ones that are just right for you. And then we have all the calls for speakers and the, um, the contacts so that you can continue to submit yourself for those and keep a steady stream of, apply, of applying out there for you in whatever. I mean, we've covered everything pretty much from business to personal growth to spirituality to everything in between. Um, and relationships and uh, mind, body, spirit, and uh, but the business is the core. I mean, it's one of the largest groups, and we have it's industry specific. We have general business topics. Topics. So, it, you know, any of those things. If you serve any of these communities, um, you know, for example, if you wanted women, you could t- pick the women's uh, business meetings, or you could just pick the what we call the gender specific women's empowerment types meetings. So um, so it, it makes it really easy to find what you want, and that's like only $47 a month. And, and, you know, and I wanted to suggest that we have a three-day trial to that product. So if you want to go in and nose around under the hood, I want to invite these listeners to do that, Tanya, and then you will, I, as I understand it, put it in the show notes so that they can get that link and go and, and take advantage of that. So those are the Absolutely. And then there is one other thing. If you really just want a smorgasbord of speaking opportunities all around the country, um, in the U.S. and Canada, and um, you don't want to invest a lot of money, and it's really for a transformational leader. It's not for a business leader. We also have our Speakertunity Speaker Lead subscription service that you can get every single month. And, um, and that's mostly meetings, uh, spiritual centers, TEDx's, bookstores, retreats, um, and those kinds of things. Wow, what a tremendous resource. That is absolutely incredible. If you need to, you know, get your speaker one sheet, if you need, and and here's one thing else, too. If you want somebody and you don't quite know where you want to begin and what you need, then you can make a meeting with our team, um, with Kelly O'Hara, our speaker relations manager, and she'll sit down and go through it with you and figure out what you need. And maybe if you need to reposition something or maybe your title isn't strong enough. You know, you can set a ma- meeting with her and she'll help you with that. Mm. Excellent. Now, that is, that's valuable right there. That's absolutely valuable. And yes, I absolutely recommend getting that speaker sheet. That's definitely one thing that I talk to my authors about when they are, you know, we're nearing the end of the book publishing process or actually in the middle of it. One of the things that I recommend they do is be building their platform while we're working on the manuscript itself. So, and part of that platform is working with you and speaker Trinity to get themselves out there so that they can be positioned and ready um, at launch time to start talking about their book and, and pushing it out there. Thank you. You know, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. I've got a question for you in regards to, I mean, coming out of this uh, totally virtual space and coming back into the live space, can a speaker expect to get similar or same fees that they used to get when they did the live? Can they still get that in the virtual world? Hmm. Really? Not likely. <clears throat> the truth of the mm. matter is that uh, the first thing that's happened is the number of paid speaking engagements has seriously decreased because people found out that they could get people for a lot less and so, or free. And so th- a lot of those organizations have either stopped paying or they've reduced their fees. Um, and when they go back into the room, they're going to be less likely to pay the big dollars. Um, now, uh, on the virtual side, you know, yes, there are some people that pay, but the numbers are not a lot of them. It is still a, a much smaller um, uh, percentage of the speaking market that will pay especially to, do, to have you speak online. So um, my encouragement is uh, have three different kinds of speaking uh, opportunities in your hand. One uh, certainly, if you can get the paid opportunities, that's great. 
but also be able to do what we call speak to enroll or speak to sell. Make an offer from the stage. Have something that besides of your book that you can enroll people in and that you can get them to, to purchase. And then the third, in some cases, they're not even going to let you um, make a sale from the stage, but they'll let you do a free gift giveaway, and then you can at least get people in your community to start the relationship so that you can get them to buy your book uh, by sending them incentives to do so. So um, those are all three different ways, and I'm a firm believer that you should have all three in your arsenal before you actually start getting out and speaking. Mm. I would not be surprised if there are a lot of speakers who do not have the speak-to-sell mindset or have the products at the ready for that, quite frankly. I was going to say, it really all depends on what your business model is. Because if your business model is you just want to sell a book, that's one thing. If your business and, and you get paid, paid to speak on your book, well, you really better have something that's going to be appealing to a business audience that's going to pay for it. Um, and, or if you're really an experienced motivational speaker, because n- nobody's paying for a, a, an inexperienced motivational speaker. Um, and if your business, but if, if, if your book is basically the entree to your business, then th- that business model means you got to have something to sell. Really, you have to think of it not as a selling to people. What you're doing is you're right. in service to them. You know, they need what you have to offer, and you're there to support them. And so when you are making an offer from the stage, it's not so much that you're selling something to them. It's you say something to me like, I would love to invite you to, to explore the next level. Or are you looking at moving to the next level? I can help you. Let me be your guide. So you're basically showing them that there's a way that they can move up in the world and get the next level without saying to them, here, here is this thing, I want to sell it to you. It's all in how you <laughs> That's correct. It. That is right. One definition of marketing, this isn't selling, but marketing that one of my author clients once shared was that marketing is sharing your love and passion with people who want to hear about it. So when you're marketing to them, you're sharing that love and passion about what it is that you have um, for them. But when you're when it comes to the sales process, that's the transactional part that says, yes, I want some of that for me. So sharing your message with someone, you can do that with a heart full of love, knowing that if you don't share that message, they are missing out. So that's one way of thinking about your book or what have you is, I've got this message that I believe will truly add value to you. I would be remiss if I did not share that with you. If you can use it, wonderful. If not, then I've done my job in making sure that you knew it was available, right? So you're making sure that your message is out there for them to act on should they decide to do so. But you're inviting them to. Yeah. So that's that's good. It's really good to hear, uh, Jackie, about you know, what the speaking market is like and what people can expect. So that also helps them to make sure that they look at their return on objective again, rather than the return on investment, right? Because if you know that your goal is to have those three-prong approach, the paid approach, the speak to sell approach, and the free gift approach, if you know that, then it's some combination of those three that's going to generate growth and development for you in some way or another rather well, than, oh, I just do paid speaking and that's it. Exactly. And, and, you know, you also can combine them. For example, whenever I do a speak-to-enroll offer, I also include a free gift somewhere in the presentation, simply because some mm. people may not take me up on my, on my offer, but they'll take me up on my free gift. So, uh, you know, yes. I want to make sure I hit everybody in the, in the audience in one shape or form to get into my community. That's right. And it's to develop that relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So doing so allows them to um, not just be left there wanting more, but be able to act on it and do something with it. One great communicator from years ago when I used to work 
at an international professional services firm. We used to hire him to come and speak to our people. And he would say that you want to leave your audience wanting more. And so I still recommend that as an approach to speaking. You want people to be left wanting more. How do I get a hold of you? How do I tap into you? How do I add that enrichment to my life at some later point in time? And to that end, Jackie, how would you like for our listeners to reach out to you so that they can tap into your incredible wealth of expertise and the wonderful opportunities that you have for them. I know we're going to have links in the show notes, but is there one other particular way that you would like them to reach out to you? Well, you can always reach me either at Jackie at speakertunity.com or I have a, um, a uh, schedule link that's schedule.jackielappin.com. So if you go to www.schedule.jackielappin.com, you can always set a meeting with me. But um, reach out, ask your questions. Um, we also, by the way, uh, Tanya, you're going to give everybody the link to, uh, to Speaker Tunity and the site on your show notes. Sure, no. But uh-huh. we have a really good little bot. So um, our customer service guy is sitting there all the time answering questions. So you can always just ask them ah. a question and he'll answer them. How fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. See, there's always a way to reach out. There's always a way to reach out. Well, Jackie, I am so grateful for your taking time with me today to share with our audience how they can really improve their speaking opportunity by working with a company like Speaker Tunity. Well, thank you <laughs> thank so much, love. Delightful to it's be here. been a yeah, it's been an absolute joy. And you know, I highly recommend that every author and speaker out there get their speaker one sheet, get it ready to roll so that you can take advantage of all the great things that Jackie has for you, because it can only help you to not only grow your business, grow your speaking opportunities, but also share your message and make an impact with the world. Thank you. Thanks again, I want, Jackie. I want to also point out, just so people know, mm-hmm. that it's not just speaking opportunities. We have podcasts, and we also have virtual summits, and we have TEDx's, um, and we have virtual networking. So all of those things are available, not just speaking. So if you're not ready for prime time as a speaker, we can help you anyway. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate your pointing that out. So there's so much more for you there. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. You've been listening to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. If you'd like to know more about today's guest or even to reach out to them, you can find all of their information in our show notes at writesomethingworthy.com.